This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. Sign up by July 30th and use the coupon code BACKTOWORK7, that's Back to Work, one word, and then the numeral 7, and you'll get 10% off your first six months with Squarespace. Learn more at squarespace.com slash backtowork. We want to thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. I have some very strange notebooks. Who's the guy in the fly? Jeff Goldblum. And if you're talking about the 1986... Jeff, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, 1986. Should have won an Oscar. Hmm. You think? Is that, that Cronenberg? David Cronenberg and uh, special effects were re- very good. If When I watch it again, although the movie, uh, you know, it doesn't hold up as well. Yeah, it looked good. Do you remember it how, like, good how amazing it looked when it came out? Oh, so good. Yeah. Huh. I have a page, I have a page in my notebook. I have this... Let's take a page from your notebook today, Merlin Mann. I have so this is a costly Italian notebook with graph paper. It's a it's a whatever I don't know what size you'd call it. You know, it's the medium sized one. And I have a you know, so I try to be careful with my pages. I write small. You know, Gruber gives himself one page a day in the field notes. Do you know that? I didn't know that. I I meant to discuss that with him and you. Why only one page? I think it's a good constraint, and you don't end up wasting pages. I go the other way. I figure I can always buy more notebooks, and it frees up my mind to know that I can just write one word on a page. Or in this case, two words. His name's, what is his name? Merlin Mann. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jeff Goldblum, the, the actor. Yeah. I have uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum circled, and that's on a page. So I'm not sure what the action item is for that. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to Google him, maybe I'm supposed to write him. Certainly one of my favorite actors. You like him? He's good. He was good on his uh, Tim and Eric. <laughs> You've watched Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. Who was your favorite actor? Hmm. Off the top of my head? Yes. Kenny Baker or Jack Purvis? Can't decide. Wow. Man, my daughter asked me that now. She says Kenny Baker's inside R2-D2. And she says, why is Jack Purvis inside the walking box? My daughter knows that his former cabaret partner, Jack Purvis, is also one of the people that's a droid. So we're going to wow. go ahead and dial that down a little bit. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, I was looking through my notebook. You feel those I've movies got, are appropriate for a three or four-year-old? Absolutely not. And I think I realize it more every <laughs> single day. How wildly... And now, <laughs> teacher Tomoko gave us some hand-me-down. Uh, she knew that, you know, Eleanor has to have a name tag that says Anakin at school now. So everybody knows I'm a terrible father. Well... Next time she goes in, she's, you know, she's stashed now from The Incredibles. So now they know that about once a week, we get her obsessed with an entirely new inappropriate movie. But it's all high quality. That's the thing, Dan Benjamin. I think about, I don't know why I want to say Transformers, but I'm, we're so lucky that with the possible exception of Dora and Diego ugh, and the new Richard Scarry cartoons, which are execrable. Apart from those, she has really, really good taste, just like her mom. <laughs> Who's your favorite actor, Dan Benjamin? Off the top of my head? Andrew Goldsworthy, is that his name? That's the guy that makes art out of ponds. Is that his name? Jeff I'm, Goldsworthy? Jeff Goldblum? I have to check my notebook. I like Jeff Goldblum. I like Bill Murray. I like, uh, I like I Christopher Walken. Him. You know what? I love Bill Murray's decision making. I saw an interview with him. And I, I, uh, I just like the fact that... Uh, it's funny. I, I was also uh, like just... The night before last, I was reading the really, really long John Lennon Playboy interview from 1980. So great. Really, like, I skipped over the Yoko parts for some reason. But um, I just love people who are like, well, this is the thing I do. 
and I do it this way, and I'm sorry if that bums you out. <laughs> and Bill Murray's like that. Bill Murray sits around. I get the feeling he really actually reads the script and goes, like, I'm going to have to be kind of impressed by this to do it. You know what I mean? He doesn't just, he's not going to Joe Pesci his way through a decade. Mm. I don't know. I got nothing against Joe Pesci. I just think, I wow. think he. Gosh, I, I hope he doesn't still listen. You think he's a fan? Well, I think he was. Until mm. now. Hmm. Get your shine box. I'm looking, th- <laughs> I'm looking through my notebook. This is why I should not prepare, because the way that I prepare is. How, so John Gruber limits himself to one. One page. One page. What if he goes to like Macworld or, or so WWDC? Still one page? Has to leave. <laughs> he has to leave. He has to leave or he has to write really, really small like between the letters. And that's why the problem is he's very, very obsessed with kerning. So there's, there's not – there's the exactly right amount of kerning between each – he has really weird handwriting. His handwriting is crazier than mine. Is it legible later? Is it cursive yeah, you know, I, or printed? I, 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 when we were out to dinner during WWC, I posted. I took a picture and posted. I saw, I don't know that. If you saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, it was what, great. What, what was what was the word? It was, yeah, because he was talking about the Bond movie that we were. It was watching a Roger Moore. It was a Roger Moore movie, I think. And it he just sort of quit. It was living daylights. It was living daylights. I wish I could remember the word. It was like it wasn't incomprehensible. Or was it viewed to a kill or something? Yeah, I think it was incomprehensible. What's the one where he's old and the clown? No, that's a yeah. That's not Living Daylights. That's uh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. But but <laughs> disjointed. He wrote the word disjointed. disjointed. Let me put that in the show notes. So yeah. is that is that on his page for the day, or is that a separate notebook? Um. Well, see now, I think that differs a little bit. This is this is not, we'll start the show after this, right? Yeah, we'll edit all this out. Okay, good. I I think uh, I think his rule of thumb, as I understand it, and you know we talk a lot about pens. We're both it's called stylophiles. We're stylophiles. We talk a lot about pens. We talk a lot about notebooks. I love the field notes notebooks, and I I buy a lot of them. But my go to, uh, my I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I, I when I was the Moleskin guy, and and I was the Moleskin guy. I don't I don't say Moleskin. I think that's annoying. Uh, but you know, I encouraged a lot of people is. to buy the totally pretentious. You know, uh, you know, unlike the actual Italian notebooks themselves. <laughs> right. They're very practical, $20 notebook. But uh, I, I, one of the reasons I rejected that as productivity porn, you know, if it's not in the service of producing stuff, is I think you create a high barrier for yourself. You know what I mean? You start thinking, this is why I like the way Natalie Goldberg writes in spiral notebooks. She writes in like Snoopy notebooks. And I think that's, there's something really freeing about that. With John, I mean, John and me, I think we found like the notebook that works for us. And uh, I, I suspect what he's doing is he's got what do you get forty eight pages in a field notes something like that. Perfect is this, number. Is this, they're not sponsoring this, right? They did last week. Oh, that was awesome! Thank you, Jim. Not um, this show. That was the the rest of the network. What I heard him in a couple. Love that, Jim. That guy's smart as heck. Um, it's a good notebook. I, I wanted to introduce a new segment. Yeah, it's called fact or fiction, and I oh. will I will pose a question to you. Okay. And I will end the question with fact or fiction, and you will answer it. Okay, what are the other rules? Do I have to answer it quickly or honestly? You have 30 seconds with which to answer it, and answer it in, in the way you feel inclined. I get extra credit for being fast? Yes. Because I could give you a lot of dead air. That's what they call it in the business, dead air. <laughs> so, uh, Hang on. Fact or fiction? Okay, go ahead. Fact or fiction? Having a really cool notebook or the same notebook as your writing idol will help you write fact, fact or fiction fact, fact. <laughs> uh, i'm gonna say semi-fiction what do they call it non-fiction no uh, from from the annotated novel it's a novelization um no it won't help you at all it won't help you at all and i've done it 
I've totally done it. I bought the identical notebook that Don Murray wrote in uh, with his day book. But hmm, we're not even getting to my five topics for today. But, but to answer your question, it's a good question. And it's a tricky question because if you've got a notebook and you write in it, you're on the right track. And we're rehashing stuff, but you know, it's like the wire. There's new people born every day that haven't seen the Flintstones. If you've got a notebook and you write in it, you've got the right notebook. If you've got a notebook and you're not writing in it, another notebook is not going to improve that. So in other words, every episode we've ever had. You're sort of, you're sort of paraphrasing Kate Batowski who says it's, it's the rider, not the bike. Oh, absolutely. And that was Rumblefish. (laughs) No, I'm thinking of my bodyguard. Which one was, uh, which one was Matt Damon in? Uh, it was not my bodyguard, though. The guy who was in my bodyguard, didn't he later go on to be the guy that was in Full Metal Jacket? Animal Mother. You think of Adam Baldwin. You're thinking of Alec Baldwin. No, no, no. He's, he's the one with the stick knives. Stick knives for walk. ABC. Tony Roman, now that guy could close. Ginsu um, Knives. God, that's a fantastic movie. Fun Gary Glenn Ross. Mm. It's one of three things I owned on VHS. ABC. That and Hudsucker Proxy and an REM uh, video thing. That's all I ever owned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anytime you've got a notebook and you're writing it, you're on the right track. Uh, I think, I think the, the problem to just put the dot on this very, very large continuous I, uh, it's, it's a big theme on the show, obviously, because it feels it's an anti-pattern, right? It feels like it's fixing a problem when it might actually very likely be making it worse. Um, because the medium that you're writing on is probably not the problem. No, it could be. It could be. It's one of those things like, you know, you, you know, you might, you might have like Hodgkin's lymphoma, but you're probably not sleeping enough. Like before you jump to like, like <laughs> a really, <laughs> oh, before you jump to a really, really far out conclusion for why you're tired today, you might want to look at how much you slept last night. That's what Rob Wolf says. I haven't read that book. I'm just saying, uh, a notebook is a good thing. And if you want a fresh start, that's a good thing. These are all potentially good things, and that's the thorny part of it. But the ultimate good thing is writing in them, if that's what you want to do, or sketching in them. And, but there's something really satisfying to me. So right now I'm looking at mine, and I, I should figure out which one this actually is. It's the moleskin, medium-sized one. It's, I don't buy the hardback ones. I buy the softcover ones. But I, I get a lot of writing and thinking done in these. Um, and I make them my own. Like I've got – I can't show you these, I guess, but you won't see this over the – Radio thing. Or just hold up to the mic. Okay, hang on. Oh, that's aw- what an awesome notebook. It's a sticker of a Tuscan Raider saying citrus, and right next to that is a bit of a cutie that my daughter peeled that I taped in here. And then she said, Daddy, you're goofy, and I wrote that down. And, uh, and I like that because I can put anything in here. I got the end of a roll of scotch tape in here. Um, I've got a band from something that looks like a cigar, but I don't smoke, so I don't know what that is. I've got different kinds of pens I write with. Every time I eat a cutie, I put the sticker in here. It's kind of like, like, it is kind of a crazy homeless guy thing to do, but I feel completely free to do anything in here. Here's a picture of a butterfly, Cyril the Butterfly. I made that when we were out at dinner. But nothing doesn't go in here, is my thing, you know? Uh, and this is a pattern that you see in a lot of different places. You hear about, have you ever heard the phrase programmer's notebook? Yeah. What is that? I, you, well, what do you what do you hear? Well, what I hear it called is, it's a constant companion while you're programming. That's usually not a text file. It could be a text file, mm-hmm. but an actual notebook where you write down what you're working on, how you solved a problem. You could put stuff like how much time you spent on it. You could write what didn't work, but there's so many good patterns to that. It gets you thinking about your work while you're working, not separately from your working. It gets you thinking about the limitations of the day. You go, wow, I thought I was going to get this many K locks done today, and I got. <laughs> this many, you know, nano locks done today. Is that a, they still use that term, K locks? Oh, yeah, no, that's very modern. 
Mm, okay. And, um, and I think that's a good pattern. I think, in, you know, we talked about with meditation, how talking about and thinking about meditation does not help your actual practice. But, I mean, you need to think about it enough to, to feel confident to do what you're doing. And I think the nice thing about a notebook is it becomes a companion. Um, it sounds silly in some ways, but it becomes what Cory Doctorow has called an outboard brain. It becomes this place that can be a projection screen for whatever it is that, that's on your mind. And I think that's wildly healthy. It's, it's why, I mean, if to, in thinking about writing in general, and I, forgive me for always talking about writing, but that's the thing I suck at that, wanna, that I want to get good at. But and that's why I love things like Natalie Goldberg, her, her book, Writing Down the Bones, is you get in this habit of saying writing is not this thing unlike Syracuse. By the way, great episode on how he writes. That was really fun. Um, which episode is that? Hypercritical episode before last? Yeah. You should, should mention that in show notes. It's really good. Okay. And he writes completely differently than I do. He sits down and starts, starts talking to his computer or moving his fingers, and he really wants it right the first time. And what I've learned is whether it's that cranking thing or the four years thing or the better thing, the things that people seem to enjoy that I've written, they all started as something else. The cranking thing, for obvious reasons, if you read it, if you get a sandwich and make it to the bottom, is that it started out as a thing about grudging thing about email for my goddamn book, but it ended up as my favorite thing I've ever written where I learned this thing about my life. And I didn't learn it by thinking. I learned by moving my hand admittedly under a lot of pressure. But as I felt more and more like I was saying what I didn't know I wanted to say, the words kept coming and coming and coming, words I never would have known were there. And all that really sounds really easy in retrospect, but, but the difference is you're not seeing writing as this artifact of perfection. You're seeing it as the artifact of some very, you know, very, very sloppy sausage being made. And a notebook I think actually way more than a text file until you're good at it. Once you're good at it, anything will do. But I think writing on paper really has its benefits. You can do stuff like really dumb stuff. Like just when you get to a place you don't, where you don't know what to say, you can just write, I don't know what to say. But then keep writing. You could also just in a big broad stroke write a big horizontal, almost like on a palm back in the day. You write a big horizontal line across here and go, okay, now I'm starting this other thing. But you keep moving, 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 moving. And um, you could do that in a field notes notebook. You could do that in a moleskina, <laughs> the Chico marks of, of <laughs> notebooks. Um, you could do it anywhere. And again, once you get good at it, I think um, you play guitar. I, my first guitar was, I, it was not even a no name. It was a sub no name, $20 guitar that I bought for $20, 20, $20 guitar that I bought for $20. You can tell I went to college. Uh, and I had to learn, it had no intonation. The intonation, it was impossible to tune. The frets were crap. I had that and the Sears amplifier that, that gave me shock. Oh, wow. <laughs> but thank God I started playing on that because I, I'm not sure I would have stuck with it as much if I'd had even like a Hondo like, or, you know, or a PV, one of those 90-pound PVs. Yeah. I'm really glad I had my crappy guitar in retrospect. I wasn't glad at the time. I, I wanted at that time uh, a Tele. Uh, who made those? Those Pete Townsend ones? Fender. Schechter. Fender no. Telecaster. Yeah, but he had a Schecter or Schecter. I forget what they're called. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I would love the real Tele. You know, I had a really nice Tele. Sunburst reissue with white binding. Wow. Sold for rent. What kind of uh, what kind of fingerboard on that? Um, walnut. Yeah, usually they have the walnut. Walnut, terrible intonation, yeah. but it's so beautiful. If you can get the but, action low enough, it's okay. You can, but it buzzes a lot. And had those <sighs> those weird rolly ones at the bottom where you had to move yeah. two screws to change them. But I also had, you know, I also had a uh, was it sixty six hundred? You know the one Tom Petty has on the cover of Dan the Torpedoes that Rick. Oh yeah, you had some expensive habits there. (laughs) Rent, rent, rent. (laughs) But I'm kind of glad I started on a crappy guitar and a Beatles fake book. 
<laughs> it's hard to play a lot of Beatles songs with four chords, but they manage in those fake books. There's no diminished chords in a fake book. Josh. All majors and minors. It's, all, it's just majors and minors, and there's a seventh. Maybe a minor seventh if you want to play, uh, you know, make all my loving sound a little fancy. <laughs> but I'm kind of glad because that made me really focus on trying to play the chords. And, and the fact that they were, oh, this brings me to topic number four for today. Ha ha. Ooh, already. Boom. We should start the show. I, um, how's it going? Hey, good. How's your week? Ah, pretty good week. Only way out is uh, intonation. Perfection. Um, no matter how perfectly I played a chord, even something as simple as whatever, like a, like a G chord, my favorite chord, very easy to play, my second favorite chord, very easy to play. C chord a little harder because I think the index finger on that C is kind of tough when you're starting out. Same mm. with the D. I, play my, I still play my Ds backwards, by the way. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. How, what yeah. do you mean backwards? What do you mean make by a D, backwards? Make a D chord with your finger. Yep. Now swap your middle finger and your index finger. Oh, really? you do it like that? A lot of people do it Because I learned like it from that. Facebook. Uh, I learned it from Facebook. I learned it from fake books, and I never bothered to see what number it was I was supposed to be hitting. Yeah. Wow. But you get better over time. I never got so much better, but then when I played a real guitar, there's this, this phrase I've said on here like 10 times, but I love this phrase. It's not how many years you play guitar, it's how many hours you play guitar. And I think that's true for all this stuff. So mm, I don't want to be so glib as to say your notebook doesn't matter. Your notebook should feel great to you. But it should also feel like your notebook is something – your notebook should be something like taking a dump or brushing your teeth. It should be something where you don't have to deliberate over and spend five days wondering if you're going to do it. And admittedly feeling bad about it and maybe getting a little stopped up and you know with the halitosis and whatnot. You should just dive in constantly. If you're thinking about something, write it down. This gets back to the whole hipster PDA thing, right? I mean, ubiquitous capture. That's not that brilliant of an idea. It's just a way of saying my thoughts don't do that much when they just bounce around in my head. They just amplify. Um, I like the Field Notes notebooks. Um, you know where we differ, uh, Grimmer and me, is on the perforation issue. He likes Field Notes because they're unperforated. I carry a small pocket moleskin in my back pocket where the last end pages are perforated. So I don't have to carry index cards anymore. If I want to write something down and demand somebody listen to Bell and Sebastian's, uh, you know, uh, Tiger Milk, I can just write that on a piece of paper and hand it to him. You're not a big Bell and Sebastian fan. Just rip it right out. Yeah. Rip it right out. But boy, that, I, I had written, written down perfection. I wrote down stress. I wrote how not to get a job. Uh, I wrote down perfection. And then I had another markdown bullet when I got distracted because Chrome crashed. So I, I could have more, but... Um, the how not to get a job one's kind of interesting too. Mm-hmm. We could do more than that. I like the you got into a good angle though with the notebook though. I unintentionally, I'm sure, uh, which is that the the perfection problem. Um, I posted this. I think this might be in show notes. If you go to the the Kung Fu Grip, let's say for the sake of argument, I was reading Rob Wolf's book last night. And let's say for the sake of argument, I just ate two eggs and some almonds. Oh. Don't get cocky. Stay on target. All right. Stay on target. Okay. I feel bad when Wedge dies. He's a fat guy that got really far, and then he died. Wasn't that sad when Wedge died? I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. Really? Yeah, what is Wedge? Wedge? What is he, red? Oh, God, I don't even want to say the words. He's on the red team. He's on Luke's team. Who's Luke? Mm, so angry right now. Oftentimes, people strive to be perfect just so they can quote-unquote fail and give up. I'll say that again because people like quotes. This is from <laughs> Pagelet 1174 of 1867 in iBooks, so I don't know where you'd find this in a normal book. But uh, Rob Wolf in his book, The Paleo Solution, 
Um, and this is exactly what you said to me when I was pissing and moaning about the paleo. Oftentimes, mm. people strive to be perfect just so they can fail. And he says exactly what you said, which is like, hey, look, just cut, 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 cut the glutens. How about start with just breakfast, then go to lunch, then go to dinner? Right. Little steps, right? Baby steps. And baby steps. And if you just because you can't get grass-fed, organic, whatever, he's like, first of all, organic, mm, be careful with that because it's, it could be kind of a scam. But if you, can, if you can't get grass-fed meat, does not mean that you should go get a gluten ball for lunch. And I think that's a message I need to hear over and over. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that message. You know? Um, is this about doing it like going halfway and halfway is okay? It could be. It could be. I think. Because it isn't. I, hmm. I don't think you can do things halfway. Here's a question I want to throw at you. Well. This is going to derail okay, you, but I want to. I wanna... No, derail me, but I want to respond to that because I think you have half of a really good point there and I want to respond to that. That's a half truth. I want to put this out there and plant this as a seed, maybe for a potential future show, future episode. But there's something I, I want to put out there for you because this Com is something commitment. that commitment, full commitment. Okay. Is that my guess? No. That's my guess. Uh, yes. Actually, you know what? No, but yes. Uh, ahead, in a way, on. yes. Here, yes. Actually, yes. Full commitment versus half expecting to fail. Well, here's the thing. I've talked to some of my friends about this over the years and uh, it, it's kind of a question. I think it's a debate and people may not even realize that they're uh, debating it actively. And the, the, the thought is this, and I have said this, I don't believe it's possible to have a side business. I don't think you can have a business on the side. I think I don't think you can go to work and have a job and then come home and r run a business. I believe that both the job and the side business, you, you will never reach your potential in either of them, and it will affect your personal life as well. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it might good. be possible to have a business and run a business and by some measure say, yes, it's successful and that you're making some money. But I don't believe it'll ever reach its potential. You'll never reach your potential in any of the things that you do if you're that divided. What do you think? Care to care to comment? Maybe future show. But it uh, does. It well, you, you nailed it when you said commitment. At first I thought no, and then I thought, yeah. Well, the reason I said that, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you when you say – well, the reason I, I jumped in with commitment is I think that's kind of what you're describing. Yeah. Is, and I mean, from my angle, that means don't leave yourself an out that undermines your ability to keep moving. And I've certainly had that with this book. I've certainly had it. I've had it with lots of things where I'll give myself this trap door and think about these what ifs. And, but part of it also, Dan, is that you and I, like the rest of the world, we think really differently about these things. You, you are very circumspect about your decision making. You're, um, you know, a ready aim fire guy. And I'm a fire ready aim kind of guy. Hmm. Well, and that doesn't. I yeah, like that. I've I'd never heard be, that I, term used in this way. I'd way rather be you. <laughs> Let's be clear, except for standing in a closet. I, I am in a closet that. right now. Happened to Patty Hearst. It's no good. Um, Different circumstances. He, she might have been sitting. I don't know. But it wasn't nice. I don't. East Bay's nice, but you got to have a view. You got to have some kind of a view. I went to Pixar on Friday. Did I mention that? Ooh, you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, I got to talk about that. Maybe after, after we talk about Pixar. Um, I think you are absolutely right for a lot of people that my, my only concern, well, I want to hear, we should, you know what, let's do a, let's do a little uh, firing line. Is that what it's called? A little McLaughlin group on this. Cause okay. you can start if you want. Well, you tell me, I'll just start by saying fact that, or uh, fiction, fact, uh, fiction, fact, <laughs> fictive. I think, isn't this a John Hodgman bit? Are we doing a John Hodgman bit? Yeah. Hmm. 
He's great, though. That mustache is creepy. Ooh, creepy. Did you finally watch Totoro? Totoro? Yeah, Sorry. we saw that. Sure. What'd you think? Was he like in that? that? Yeah. Was yeah. he the Totoro? He was the big kid. Yeah. Sasuke. Yeah, we enjoyed that. that. Like that, that a lot. Is, that is all. Creepy. It's my favorite line. Well, I think the only problem is there's nothing wrong with commitment to something. Um, I heard somebody, dee, 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 maybe it was Gruber or Simcoe, somebody was talking about quoting someone in, in terms of business strategy and saying there's a big difference between a gamble and a risk. Mm. And I'll, I'll probably, I hope I don't get them wrong. But, but um, uh, something, that's, something that's a gamble and something that's risky. And now, um, <laughs> now I'm going to get when I'm totally wrong and I'm going to be embarrassed and listen to this and hate myself. But I think um, risky is when you do something where there's a, a chance of it going wrong, I think. Oh, God, I hate myself. Uh, I'm gonna cut this out, Jim, but this will certainly be wrong. <laughs> risky is when you say like, okay, well, we're going to go into this relationship with somebody that you know could go wrong. We might lose money on it. Um, but a gamble is something where basically the livelihood of the whole company rides on its total success. And, you know, something like going, you can run Flash on your playbook. <laughs> you know, well, that's a risky strategy in some ways, but, you know, putting all your dough into the playbook might be also kind of a gamble at this point. Because what else are you going to do? It's like in that Bruce Springsteen song, Atlantic City, right? They could take, the guy takes all of his money out of the bank and he's going to go to Atlantic City, City and try and get the one big score. Mm. That's gamble in the true sense of the word. He's all in. Um, and I think all in is good if you have the kind of constitution where you can stand if that blows up and if you can man up to the fact that it didn't go well at the end. I think for a lot of people though, that black and white thinking of thinking like this, if this, if this goes wrong for any reason, I will never be the same. As I've said, that's, that's, I worry about telling people that that's a good idea unless they're really ready for it. And most people aren't ready for that. I know I'm not always, I'm hardly ever ready for that. Um, but I want to hear. I want to hear your side because I think it's it's interesting to look at both sides of this. You're talking about when you say ready for that. You're talking about making that change. You're saying making well, well, a change. You know how, I mean, you know how we're really circumspect about avoiding that BS of going, "Hey, quit your job and go be a podcast." Yes. You know, because there's a really, really, really good reason not to do that because it's stupid. It's like saying it's like it's like somebody announcing they're going to become like an oncologist. You know, like I've decided that today I'm going to, I've joked about this in my little parody I did, which I will link to of a certain, it's just from a bit I do called the 14 second work here. Um, like one day you decide you're an oncologist <laughs> or an oncologist as my character says. Uh, and the problem is that you can say that, but there's a lot more to that than just announcing that and putting out a shingle. And the very first person you oncologize on is going to really notice that you didn't get it right or their family will, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of dependencies that get you to the point where you can call yourself that kind of a success. And I think it can be very daunting to people. Um, once they, let's say they went ahead and decide that they're an oncologist and then it does go totally South and they're, I don't even know if you can have malpractice if you're not really a doctor, I guess that's the point. Um, but, but you'd be in a lot of trouble with that. But the thing is, if you kept insisting you're an oncologist, even after you had killed a bunch of people, I don't think that that kind of commitment is a terrible idea. I love the idea of more like a Jeff Veenish kind of approach of going, I'm, I'm really committed to this, but I'm also constantly iterating and I'm bringing in information from outside. And again, back to our process, you know, thinking about the Dreyfus model, including a certain amount of um, self-improvement slash self-awareness about how well it's going. So I, I, we could just be using the word differently. I think commitment is a great idea and I, I would actually like to shut up now and hear your side of this. Well, I, here's, here's the thing is that people often try, they try these businesses and you hear about, the most successful people 
uh, in, in business will say, oh, I tried this, I tried that, and I tried the other thing. And but finally, when I got this one thing that it worked, but that it's, it's never that simple, is it? It's always some other circumstance, some other situation. Well, if they hadn't succeeded eventually, you wouldn't hear the story. You wouldn't even hear the story. <laughs> it's like when people say, oh, you ever notice when you lose something, it's always the last place you look? It's like, that's funny because I always keep <laughs> looking for things after I found them. Yeah, no, I mean, Idiot. that's it. That's it. And and these are people who are successful. These are people who have reached, you know, there, there's some famous that, that, you know, was it Abraham Lincoln had 14 failed careers that before he became president or something. And, and people will tout this as, you know, failure. And that's a, that's a whole other term. Maybe we talk about failure at some point, totally, but totally. I've talked about people who, who, who will say, no, the only way to be successful is to say that failure is not an option. We can't yeah, fail. Failure you. is always an option. So talk about that. <laughs> the other great one, I need to check my facts on this, but I, I believe the Beatles were turned down, turned down by every major label in the UK, many of them twice. It took a lot of conniving by Brian Epstein to figure out a way to get them, you know, any kind of real attention. And it took working with Tony Sheridan. It took all these things beyond their just obviously, in retrospect, raw talent and the fact that they were probably the greatest rock band of all time. Yeah. You know, in retrospect, we look at that and go, oh, Beatles, they were born on third. And it's like, no, they played for a real, just read that douchebag uh, Malcolm Gladwell book. They played a lot to get that good. Um, I think failure is always an option. And, and sir, I guess if you're in like a military guy, failure is not an option. Well, failure is always an option in the sense that you don't know if you're going to get 100% support from everybody. Yeah. If you've got the skills to do it, you may have, if you've got the skills and the resources and the time, you can get a lot of stuff done. And to be honest, if you have the experience of having failed a lot, you'll do it in a much more sane way. I would really be circumspect about working for anyone who says failure is not an option. Because that is, that is the, one of the most childish, childish things I can think of to say in the entire world. If you don't have risk assessment in place for what could go wrong, well, not only are you going to go down, but your people are going to go down with you. you know? It's like, um, what, in, uh, in the Civil War, what was it called? Um, that famous, the battle at uh, Gettysburg. Yeah. Uh, you know who I mean? Who's the one guy? Pickett's, Pickett's Charge. Pickett's Charge is like one of the most appalling stories of just sad stories of horrible mismanagement uh, in the Civil War. He just, he made terrible, terrible decisions. He shouldn't have been there in the first place. He was this dandy guy. And he should not have been making decisions about how to, how to handle this group of guys. He just shouldn't have had the job. And he made some, through a combination of terrible decisions and a pretty amazing strategy by the Union, his guys just got decimated i mean do you know the story it's like it's kind of like they basically they basically sat in a bowl <laughs> it's not funny it's awful and if you watch that one episode best episode of the civil war the um ken burns to me though so let's say that guy gets up there the dandy guy gets up there and yeah. he's got his waxy hair and his cool mustache and he goes you know y'all failure is not an option they go yay hua and they just start running into the bowl right well you know uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm misinterpreting what you're saying. I just think somebody somebody going well. No, actually, here's five ways we think this could go wrong, and through some intelligent adult risk mitigation, we're going to try and avoid that. And I'm going to hopefully keep you guys alive and send you back to you know South Carolina in one piece. Um, but I think you're onto something though, and, I, and that's why I said I think you have half a point. You have more than half a point. I'm, I don't mean to sound that way. You've got a really good point. It's just that I think you need to commit yourself fully to whatever you're doing. So can you can you have a side job? Can you have a side thing? Well, can you have something you do evenings and weekends that's not just to make a few extra bucks, but that you know you like people will often 
ask me, how did you start five by five or what were you doing before? Or, you know, I might ask you, how did you decide to make the leap from having a full-time job to doing your own thing? And how did you know? It helps to be incompetent. That helps a lot. So you mean, you mean essentially that you're, you at some point realized you were unemployable. (laughs) Like my tattoo says. No, I mean, I think you've got a really great point and, and it goes back to that kind of it goes back to that quote from Rob Wolf or from a million other people, which is that, you know, to use another phrase, a more pop psychology phrase, you're setting yourself up for failure. There, there are certain ways in which, you know, if you sad sack your way into something and you go at it with less than guns blazing, you're, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of problems. You know, Han, Han always shoots first. Even if he doesn't have a chance, he shoots first. If you walked into a room with Darth Vader, I'd poop myself. Han, Han, Han Solo shoots. Like, I think having your guns blazing is not a bad idea. As far as the commitment part of that, and obviously that commits him to a certain strategy too, but, you know, it works out in the end. He was blind for a while, but, you know, he was okay. Uh, he didn't end up in the Sarlacc, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I guess my point is there's, there's, there's a kind of commitment that involves the amount of focus that you bring to what you're doing right now. I think you have to leaven that with a certain amount of sanity. I think committing yourself fully I mean, committing yourself, I don't want to be too melodramatic, but you could commit yourself fully to being in a cult. You could commit yourself fully to like being in a UFO cult or like just, just eating gravel or something. There's all kinds of insane things that if you don't leaven it with reality, no amount of commitment is going to save you. So it, it has to be a good idea. It has to be a, a, a doable idea. And if, you, if you're somebody, what's that quote everybody throws around? Is it from jobs, quoting somebody else, but you shouldn't do anything unless it's impossible and important? Who says that? Hmm. Chat, chat room? You don't have chat room. You, you no, I, I, I can't with you. I can't. Yeah, we'll get an email. Um, but if you've got what you feel like is a real mandate and you're willing to throw away all kinds of stuff to make it happen, uh, it just gets us straight back to the priority question, right? As we talked about however many episodes ago. Um, what was the phrase you used? 27 uh, priorities. 27 priorities. Just I have keep, them. You got to keep up to date on those. You want to know what's happening with all of your 27 priorities. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good episode. Um, what was the phrase you used, though? Can you have a side thing? Yeah, can, you have, uh, can you have a side business? Can you run a side business? Can you have any evenings and weekends thing and make it into a real business and then try? Because this is, I think, what the regular people who get the idea that they want to do a business. This is what they think they'll do. They say, well, I have this full-time job. I'm really not fulfilled. There's no upward path. And I think I want to be my own boss. So I'm going to start this new business doing this thing that I really like to do a lot as a hobby uh, and in my spare time. And I'm going to make a business out of it. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to start at 7 p.m. because I get home at 530. And mm-hmm. then there's dinner time. And I like to wind down and, you know, just uh, check email and things. And then 7 p.m. from 7 to – I think I could probably stay up till 10, 30, 11 and still be productive on the computer. So from 7 <laughs> I'm to – I'm just going to block this out on my calendar. Yeah, from 7 to 10, 30 or maybe 11 because, you know, I, I, I got I to, gotta, you know, wash my face and go to sleep at some point. So that's all I'll do. I'll do that and then on the weekends I can do this. And my girlfriend won't mind because she knows I'm really trying to, you know, make a whole new career thing here. So that'll be cool. And I'll do that. And I have a client who's willing to pay me for my first project. So I'll use that money to buy this new computer that I needed. And uh, if there's any money left over, then I can use it to maybe even advertise, you know, in the local paper about the service that I want to do or online. And then they go and they do it. Maybe they, maybe it goes well. 
maybe they get a second client and they do that. And I'm assuming it's a services business, but let, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's not, even if they're going to work on building a product and a product is going to be a website or an You're iOS saying this app is or all whatever. in the evening and then you go to work all day. And then well. you go to work all day the next day. What, what immediately starts to happen is while you're sitting there at work, you're actually, let's, let's make believe this is an iOS app. Uh, you, you're sitting there thinking, man, this, you know what? I know what I need to do with this, with this thing. I finally figured out this UI view that I, I couldn't get it to work. Now I know it. Now I know what I need to do. So do you, well, maybe I'll work on it at lunch, but then I'll be using my work computer. I'll have to have all my files here. So I can't do that, but I'll just, I'll write it down in this cool Moleskine notebook, what I'm going to do tonight at seven o'clock when I get home. So when you get home at seven, you rush through <laughs> dinner, you do the thing and, th- and then you're working. You actually work till one because he wanted to get this thing working. And the next day you kind of like feel crappy at work. And then the next night you can't really do the work that you were anticipating that you'd be doing at seven because now it's eight 30 and you're exhausted and you don't want to drink coffee because if you drink coffee, it'll keep you up until two again. And it'll be worse than the other situations tonight. You'll just get a good night's sleep and tomorrow will be back to normal. And it is, and you have a decent day job, but you really wish you were working on your iOS app. And then finally, when you get home, you're working on your iOS app and your girlfriend says that her mother is in town and the three of you are supposed to go out to eat and you have to do that. But the whole time that you're at dinner, you're really thinking about this iOS app. And it just goes and goes and goes so that you never really have the right kind of time and commitment to use your your term, really on on anything. You suck at work, you suck in your social life, and now you suck on your iOS app. And we're talking about distraction. We're talking about commitment. We're talking about all of those things. And you know, chances are your iOS app, when it comes out, it'll be pretty good. Maybe it'll make you some money. But those, those apps that you hear about that uh, like Angry Birds or whatever that that become this overnight success where there's millions and millions of people. You might be the one that that gets that, but chances are you won't be. Chances are your app will make you a few thousand dollars, maybe, maybe, uh, right. maybe that maybe it makes you a few thousand dollars a month, which would be great. But then you've got to support this thing and come out with new versions and compete with competitors who take your idea and and make their own version of it. That maybe it's even a little better, and you've got to come up with the next thing. How do you do that if you're not fully committed to it? And how do you become fully committed to it without taking, I don't know if it's a risk or a gamble, but one of those two things, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you make that jump where you're saying, and aren't I painting a pretty bleak picture of it? Is this kind of a sucky reality? And if so, why even bother? Why not just uh, sit, sit at your desk at work and be grateful that you have the job with the, the economy the way it is? Hmm. Um, I don't have an easy answer to that. I'm, I'm reminded somewhat of what Rob Wolf says in his book that I haven't read uh, called uh, something about the paleo. But he says, something, he says, I don't know, his style gets a little breezy after a while, but a lot of, a lot, you got to trudge through a lot of science to get to the food. Yeah. But, but, but he said something there I thought was pretty great when he goes into his whole like, so you're a vegetarian and like you've got your reasons. And uh, I love the level of commitment that he has to saying, what was his four steps? You have to find animals with parents and a soul. You have to kill them and eat them. No, really. <laughs> you have to get them inside of you and consume their essence. And like, I love the fact that he didn't go, well, da, 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 da. I mean, it's it, what he's, well, what's great. Cause from his point of view, and I'm not asking you to agree. I don't care whether you agree. What, I mean, you could have your own. There's people who have, you know, made a very strong position, a uh, case for another position. But I love the way he stuck to his guns and said, this is, this is the thing that I believe. And, uh, uh, what was my point? Just that, uh, he's saying, I think he's saying essentially, well, look, based on what I've read, this is science. Like, I'm not here trying to aggravate you or, you know, or, or uh, you know, annoy you. Right. I, I'm just the guy who came here to tell you the truth. 
And like, you can get mad about that. That's kind of how I feel, to be honest. That's like, this is my truth. If you don't like it, nothing's going to change that. You, you don't even have to like it. But I mean, it, no matter whether you like it or like it, that like it or don't like it, that's what this is. And when he says in his book, look, this is, and I don't know if this is all true. I'm just telling you what he says. But I like, I admire that. I admire somebody with that level of commitment of him saying, look, if you're a vegetarian, like you're mostly just going to fart a lot and this is not going to work for you. Whether that's true or not, does not matter to me. I love his commitment. <laughs> And, and the fact that he would say in a way that I really admire, like, look, you know, there's, you're, you've got your reasons, but like, I've got science. So go argue with science. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of admire that. He doesn't try to weasel word his way out of it. Although he does come off pretty defensive for the middle part of the book. Um, <laughs> he does. He's like, I got these people come in and I call them the D-U-M-B-B people because they got all their reasons. I haven't read the book. Um, the phrase that I kept thinking about when you were saying that, yes, so your question on the table is, um, can, can you do that? Can you, can you go out and make a great, in this case, iOS app while still having a job and still having yeah. a family like that? Um, I think it's, it's, to use my old phrase, I think it's kind of a trick question because it depends on how you pose the question. That's a big elephant that you were putting, putting on the plate right there. You know, um, I, I guess the way I would look at it, I, I, this is a slightly related example. The phrase, when you're ready, kept going through my mind. Well, you know, mm. it'll work when you're ready, when you're ready, like when you're ready to do what's needed to get started with this. Well, when you're ready is also going to involve a lot of learning and experience and yes, failing. Like there's this whole mythology about people who have their big break. And I mean, there aren't that many people who had a big, big break and then had a happy life. There are a lot of people who went through a whole lot of experiences and failures and hardships and ups and downs that toughened their skin a little bit to where it became there's no option but for them to succeed because they've done so many different things. I think the problem, and, and I'm not trying to beat people up here, but I think the, a lot of it is they see somebody who, you know, and this is a classic story in America, right? This is one of those six classic American stories is like, you know, local boy made good. And you go, oh my gosh, like I watched that Bill Hicks documentary the other night where if you hadn't seen what that guy had been through, you go, oh wow, he's really rocketed to the top. Well, he rocketed to the top by sneaking out of his house in high school to go to comedy clubs and he worked really, really hard. Um, I think the when you're ready part means, well, also you have to ask yourself when you're ready to make a really, to ask a good question. So I've, when I was a, a, a well-regarded blogger and updated my site more than quarterly, people would always, I'd go to conferences and people would ask me like, 43 photos, how this gets so big? And like, what should I do? How can I have a big douchebag blog with, you know, lots of SEO tips about SEO tips? And it happens, it happens. But what I would say to them is if you're pretty sure you want to start a blog, I have a pretty guaranteed formula for, if not success, at least realizing whether it's the thing for you. And that is to go and install some flavor. It doesn't matter what. It could be WordPress, it could be Drupal, it could be Squarespace, it could be whatever. Go, go and install something and start posting privately for a month. And try to post something, try to write every day and post something twice a week. But don't show it to anybody. And then, there, you know, you know what I mean? Like, don't you post it to the site like you would. Like, because you go through the workflow, the whole workflow, right? The whole workflow, you start out and you're Johnny Blog guy. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go have this great blog. Okay, well, why don't you go do that? It's the same reason I think anybody who wants a tattoo should be forced to wear the same T-shirt with that tattoo design on it for a year. <laughs> here's, here's your, every ta- this should be a law. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm the king or president or whatever we have here, I'm going to make this a law. You want a tattoo? You want, you want that tramp stamp? Awesome. You have to get a white American Apparel t-shirt, one t-shirt, you get that tattoo on. If you can wear that for 365 days without changing it, you get to get, have that tattoo. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, you got to go to a wedding? Oh, oh, yeah, you can't wear your shirt? Start over. Another 365 days. Well, wow, that's really annoying. You know what? You're going to have that thing on your ass for the rest of your life. Let's make sure you really like it. So get, get a shirt. 
Same here. If you think you want to be a blogger and you want to post enough to make $5 a month from this, try posting twice a week. Go through the workflow, post it, you know, post it private, but then read it. Go read it. Like John says, like uh, Syracuse says, you don't always ever really find your typos once they're live on the site. Even if you've been reading in a preview, like he has, <laughs> he's totally right. I never noticed my egregious, pre- you know, it just shows me that I should probably wait to finish drafting things more. But go ahead and try it. You're basically a blogger. It's just nobody can see what you're doing. It's kind of like being on Blogspot, you know? Um, so, so go do that. Go. <laughs> if it's up, if it's up, if it's up. But don't, don't, FTP, we don't need FTP. What? FTP? What is that? Flowers, Tannenbaum, and pretty girls? I don't, what? Do you follow? Because oh, yeah. here's the thing. That's a really manageable thing to do. Write a little bit every, every day and post twice a week. You can do that without disrupting your job or your family. And now, now the thing is, if you pose that question, it's how do I become a douchebag blogger with one of the top 100 blogs like Merlin Mann has or had. <laughs> Believe me, there's a reason I stopped writing. I didn't want that anymore. But you know what I'm saying? Like, well, if you pose that question, you are truly setting yourself up for failure in that sense. That's why I say, to return to something from an hour and a half ago, Commit yourself 100% to what you're doing right now. And that could be right now. I am just sitting here with a notebook and a microphone and talking to you. I'm not trying to start a business while I'm talking to you. I mean, this is our business, I guess, in some ways. But, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to do another thing while I do this. I think, uh, and this is true for writing. This is true for playing with your kid. Like, commit yourself 100% to that thing that you're doing now. And, but keep doing it. That's the thing. You know, and there's all these people who come up with all these rules. Like you said about, well, I'm going to do this tonight from now to now. And that could work. That could work to get you started. If that works for you, do it. But I would say, back to our thing about stepping back on the path, just remember what the big picture is. And if you have to change the question, change the question, you know? Um, if you have to, but you understand what I mean by question, or change the, the goal, if you like. Um, Jack Hart, in his wonderful book, A Writer's Coach, suggests that you begin everything you write. At the top of the page, you write the word THEME, in all caps, colon, and then using, I think you suggest six words, In a transitive sentence, try this, it is really hard. In a transitive sentence, write what this is about. Write about a provable fact in reality that you will proceed to now to show in your your essay. It's so much, no, no, just try the transitive part. It's really hard. But try to say, say something verbs something else, right? Um, Let's see, uh, soy sauce causes elevated sodium levels. Or... Better still, elevated sodium levels cause higher blood pressure or whatever it is you want to do. But here's the good thing about that. This isn't Miss Grundy's theme statement. That theme statement, you start writing against that. I think you're thinking of Solomon Grundy. No, no. I think you're thinking of Salome's Last Dance, that movie with uh, was Stephen Merchant, Stephen Ivory. Who's, no, you're, who's, you're who's thinking the of guy the... with Hugh Laurie on the internet? What's his name? Stephen, uh, Stephen Fry? I think you're thinking of Stephen Fry. You're thinking of Fry from Futurama. Oh, that's the thing. It's not The Simpsons, right? Yeah, it's the one with Bender in it. Yeah, I had a toot that was a Simpsons quote yesterday. I was kind of embarrassed. Yeah, I'll say like that. <sighs> we should talk about our sponsor. Who is our do sponsor this week? Do we have a sponsor? We do. We have, we have, uh, we have to have a total of, of two sponsors this week. We have two sponsors without the necessary means. Two sponsors this week. Uh, our first sponsor is, uh, your name is Dan, is that correct? Yes, go ahead, call her. Uh, sorry, a uh, first time password. We're going to talk about one password. Would you like to talk about one password? I would. I, uh, I am a giant fan of one password. And, um, so I guess that's about it. Yeah. Check them yeah. out. Thanks guys. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I use it. It's good. You should too. Bye. Uh, <laughs> 
it's like that Michelin web thing. That's a bad miss. Okay, so here's the thing about 1Password. Have I ever told you my, my problematic iPod Touch scenario? iPhone Touch, what's it called now? The Todd Touch Potter? What's it called? The iPod Touch. Here's the thing. Somebody goes out. I think the gateway drug is getting one of these things or an iPhone. You go out and get this beautiful Apple device. It used to be an iPod. But I think an iPod Touch, that's a reasonable first purchase for a lot of people, right? It's not terribly costly. You go in, you get this thing, you turn it on, it's super cool, and now you got to sign up for one of these accounts, right? You need like a me.com account, ordinarily, right? To really use all the stuff. Yeah. You want to get a me.com account. So you go in, and let's understand now, you're not on your PC, you're on your iPhone, you start typing, and you got to pick a password. So what do you do? You pick a password that is really easy to type on your iPod Touch. So you pick Pencil 69. Right. And then maybe you really like that iPod Touch a lot, so then you get an iPhone. You like your iPhone a lot, you also get an iPad. You, you, now you're one of us, and you, you got a problem. So you got this one password, single password, I should say, that you started with on your iPod Touch, you use it on your iPhone. Now you're really excited, so you get an iMac. And, and, and you got to pick a password. So what does 90% of humanity use for a password? Exactly the same password that they used on their phone. Right. Every, everywhere it's the same. Right. And, and I don't know if this is true in Lion, but in every OS I've used up till now in OS ten, you can have an admin account with no password on it. Did you know that? It will allow you. It, no, I ne- never thought to try it. Oh, I have a friend. Yeah. It, null is an acceptable <laughs> response for a password. I got a friend. Um, so, and then what you do, you go and you flip on back to my Mac, and now Pencil 69 is all that stands between you and port 22, which is a bummer. 22, that's the uh, login one, right? Is that right? SSH. Oh, SSHatari's mixed up in blind. <laughs> So here's the problem with that. That is a totally natural human pattern, but that single password that you've chosen, well, first of all, now you've opened yourself up to a lot of stuff because you got all the, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say that uh, 1Password by Agile Bits uh, is super helpful in getting you out of that particular password ghetto. And uh, it does so by having a fantastic uh, app on OS X that syncs. Uh, you can sync it with Dropbox. I believe it works with MobileMe. Uh, it works with, with what have you to get your password synced across all your boxes. Um, and there's an iOS app that lets you log into stuff uh, from your iOS device. Uh, and, and then if you're on, if you're sitting there on your, uh, what's it called? Like a Laptop. You know, ter- terrific Tomcat install at work. Oh, you know, yeah. There's actually a web page where you can go to that has some super strong JavaScript that you can actually get to your passwords from anywhere. Um, so we talked last week about how that lets you generate really awesome passwords, but it also manages it really well across those things. So if you're that person, and you know you're that person, um, a little bit of password hygiene is not a bad idea, and 1Password is super helpful for that. Have you met people like this, Dan, that, that do that thing? Which thing? Have one simple yeah. password that, that would open up Every, their entire life like a giant can of tuna? <laughs> like a giant tuna can key? Yes, I do I, know a lot of people like that. I have a, I have a relative who... Uh, AgileBits.com. AgileBits.com, I have a relative who's like, I got hacked, I got hacked. I was like, what? How did, how did you get hacked? She was like, I got hacked on iTunes. And she was one of those 200 people Oh no! on iTunes. And I was like, well, like, what's your username? And let's say Jane Doe. And what's your password? Jane Doe. And I was like, wow, uh, you sure got hacked hard. Yeah. Wow, that sucks. Well, you know, like I say, you can at least latch the screen door. One password does a lot more than latch the screen door. I don't want to overcommit, but I, 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 I think it's a great product. And it, and it, it helps build healthy patterns. Um, and, and we like it a lot. So Dan, you're officially a user of 1Password by Agile Bits, is that correct? Yes, I've been using it for a long time. If somebody, if somebody asked me, they said, Dan, I thought you said you didn't use it. I, that was me. Was it you? That was me. Somebody said that. No, I do use it. I've had it, and it's on all of, all of my machines. Is that legal to do that? Can you have one license on all of your machines? 
Because I have like I think, two or I three I think machines. the pattern, I don't know. We'll have to ask uh, Dave. I'm in trouble now. I just outed myself about that. Yeah, you're just stealing from your sponsor. That's not cool. Holy crap. I got a hacked Squarespace account, too. That's bad news. I, um... <laughs> <laughs> they did, that was not what they told us to say but <laughs> that's called cross promotion yeah it's tying it all <laughs> but, together draw I lines. recommend it it's and you know it's the kind of thing where uh it's, it, it does not cause an extraordinary amount of change in how you work but i think it has really outsized effects for you so anyway you should visit our friends at uh, agilebits.com they have a really great blog we mentioned that article last week about how to pick a better master uh pass phrase um, we can put that in show notes again, but, um, we're very grateful to Dave and to, uh, Rustam and to one password and really to, to everyone in Canada. Wouldn't you say, Dan? Yeah. All these Canadians, they come in uh flush with cash to support the show. And we appreciate that. Yeah. The Canadian dollar it's, you know, strong. Uh, it's true. I'd like to thank Sloan. Uh, I'd like to thank the Leafs. Uh, uh, I would, I would like to thank, uh, really just the letter U and all its many appearances in Canada. Thank you. Thank you very much to Agile Bits. So I don't, just don't think you can do it. I don't think you can have a job and a side thing. I think you have to commit. I think you test it out, but you don't expect to have great success from it. I think you test it out and you say, is this something I would like to do? Can I wear the shirt for 365 days? Can I do this kind of thing after work when I'm tired, when I'm not having fun, when I'm struggling with fixing a bug or whatever it is, writing a, writing a transitive sentence? Can I mm-hmm. do this in addition? Because real life... If you, if you decide to do this, let's say you decide to be a writer full-time or create iOS apps full-time, your life is going to have a lot of those moments in it where you are tired and you are trying to fix something that's not working and you're doing that and you do that every day and that becomes your life and that you always have this fantasy of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a web designer and I really like this stuff. And when you do it for three hours a, a week, you love it. It's a whole lot of fun. But when you when you do it eight, ten, twelve, fourteen hours a day or more, right. uh, and a lot of it is filled with problems you didn't know existed when you were dabbling, yeah. So right. it's a good way to test right. it out. But I disagree. I don't think that anybody that you can do this. I don't think you can have two jobs. I don't think you can wear two hats. And I'll tell you personally, one of the biggest obstacles that I all consistently faced. Uh, to to achieve even the smallest degree of success was not having a singular enough focus and not being fully committed. And uh, you know, I used to do this when I was first started running my own freelance, dis- I, I guess, freelance or consulting software business where I would basically write software, publishing tools and content management systems and things for other people. Is that throughout the whole process, I was still looking at you know, monster.com. Oh, right. this is a cool job. Maybe I'd do that job. My wife would say, well, I thought you were running a business. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, look at this cool, look, at look, look, you get a free thing, you know, you get a cool name tag, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, this would be a cool place to work. So well, I th- you're not really committed to your business if you're looking at monster.com. And it's funny because that, I mean, this was, this was 15 years ago, but it, it occurred to me after that at some point that she was absolutely right that you know you need to you need to fully commit to something for it to be successful but i don't think that's the same thing as failure is not an option i think it's saying that that you have to fully commit to and embrace an idea and you i feel like you have to acknowledge the potential that things may not turn out the way that you want and for some people that's failure for other people uh that's that's how do i adapt that's an opportunity to change something up uh, mm-hmm. the, it, failure is this sort of like full stop kind of a term, but I think 
looking at something and saying, this, this isn't working the way I thought it would work. Yeah, maybe some people would say it's failing. Well, how do I adapt it? How do I change it? How do I be agile enough, which is the buzzword, to adapt to it and, and make something different out of this pile of crap that I'm sitting in front of? But I don't. I just don't think you get there until you've had some of those failures. I'm probably just rehashing this. But no, you've got. Well, you've got to fail because then you see you see where what it feels like, right? The things you won't yeah. own you. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think your your point of view is entirely sensible, um, but I think it's a big ramp for a lot of people. And I will not say that's fine for Dan, although I'm very tempted. Do it. Um, do it. Do it. Ah. A lot of people are going to say, yeah, looking at, the, <laughs> looking at the chat room, being reminded that it's Porkins, not Wedge, which is really embarrassing. I can't believe I got Porkins and Wedge mixed up. Hmm. I think you're thinking of Bigs. Biggie Smalls. I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I, I should have said I meant Porkins and I said Wedge. We'll edit it out. We'll edit it all out. Yeah. <laughs> Porkins. <laughs> I don't know. Um, could be. I, I just. I, here's the thing: is I. I, I guess I, we're we're also coming up against our two obsessions. Porkins or, has a whole, his whole Wikipedia entry too. Wikipedia, sorry. Wikipedia. The Wikipedia entry. <laughs> There's incredibly minor characters in The Incredibles. People who are just featured in the scene in the scene where um, Bob is going through Syndrome's computer and looking at all the screens and who's been targeted by the robot. There's people who <laughs> appear there for like an eighth of a second, and they have a page. Yeah. So that's good. You know, it's like I say about San Francisco and Berkeley. Like, I'm glad there's an edge to this country. I'm glad there's somewhere where we're getting it, we're trying really hard and getting it wrong a lot. Because in the nerd world, I'm glad there's a greater nerd, right? I'm glad there's always somebody there. And I'm kind of glad it's not me a lot of the time. His skill at low altitude strafing runs and his rotund physical, phys- sorry, physique. I'm looking at this very far away screen on the, on the ground of the closet. Uh, rotund physique earned him the nicknames Belly Runner and Piggy. So, uh, he's not, not rotund, he's stout. So, um, uh, uh, fact, original name, uh, Lambkins. Oh, Beefkins. That's not even a joke. It's not funny. It's not even a joke. Okay, I don't know, Dan. I think this is where our, this is where our obsessions uh, differ a little bit. Yeah. Because in my racket, the obsession is with getting people to understand that starting won't kill them, and that's why I keep coming up with all this crap about making but narrowing. Right, but this is because you don't feel afraid. You're, you're you're well. You don't think about this. Your your driving force is not fear. Mm-hmm. And I think there's different kinds of people. Some of for whom fear is a driving force or prevention of fear. Avoidance of fear. Are you are you effing with me right now? Are you effing with my head right no, now? No, and I think there are other people who do not come from that. They come more from like a self worth kind of a space. Mm. Mm. You know, nuts are on the diet. Yeah, but I recommend macadamia nuts. I got some. I got I got three kinds of nuts. <clears throat> I got the premium blend, as seen on. Uh, you look nice today. I got roasted macadamias, and I got sea salt roasted almonds. That's the ones you like, right? Mostly macadamia these days, some, sometimes almonds. Hmm. But I, I don't have any with salt usually. I mean, sometimes. Hmm. It's hard not to find those nitrates. <clears throat> those nitrates and nitrites, it's tough to avoid those. It's tough to tell the difference. Mm. I couldn't do it in a taste test. Mm. 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 Um, but you know what I'm if, talking about? I mean, I, I think— do. Let I, me give you an example. Do you know, that David, you know that David Sparks guy? You ever heard of him? 
the Mac power users. Uh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this work. But, you know, he's working really hard to finish a book right now. I, I know. know. It's from, from, from And he uses a weird thing that John Syracuse does, too, where they talk, the dragon. Yes, he does. He's, he's the one that turned me on to that in that Mac power users episode. Um, and I, what the F, Dan? Why, 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 who do I have to get a code, a free code from them? I, I, bought, I bought the Mac speech. Come on. Give me an I update. don't have any ins. Yeah. We should get sample versions of everything. Now I sound like another podcast. We should get samples of, of everything that, that your people offer. Like all of our sponsors, we should get stuff. They don't do no, that. No, 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 not stuff in that sense, but stuff in the sense of like at least being able to try it. Yeah. I got a lot of Field Notes books. I think I'm good for Field yeah, Notes. Yeah, I've right. got a lot too. Um, David uh, has a job, like a serious job, not like the kind of crap we're Can doing. Can we say what he is? Yeah, he's a lawyer. Yeah. We, he's, uh, he's a litigator, I believe. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of work. And uh, he, he, he himself is fairly litigious, I've been told. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't I think know about that he's, either. But we'll we'll know if, yeah, if I get a lawsuit. He's, he's incredibly practical. Yeah, he might sue your ass. Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. Um, no, but he's doing that. He he's doing that job. Yeah, but he's, he's doing... not a regular human. He's very oh, God, very. No, he isn't. He's in a whole class by himself. Don't worry about what David Sparks is doing. You know what? If you were in Goodfellas, your name would be Johnny Two Sides of the Street. We call him Johnny <laughs> Two Sides of the Street because he's always playing both sides of the street. <laughs> Seriously, though, he's not oh, a typical seriously. person, literally. Well, he's a unique a typical, person. What should a typical person do? Should they go Ferris their way out of a job and just go make something up and have a go have their life space? In, Here's in what a, I mean. I'm in, saying it's some Indian, pharmaceutical, Indian and Indian pharmaceutical company. At some point. On TV, what should they do? At some point, And I predict that it's before your side business becomes successful. You will need to make a decision to either try to make it successful by devoting yourself to it full time or give up. That's what I that's what I believe. I think that you will never attain you real think that success. Right. You think that goes for writing. Well, writing's different. Because <laughs> it's not real work. Yeah, that's just uh, yeah, that's true. Hey, I'm yeah. writing stories. Look at me. I got a computer. I can type things now. I'm a writer. What's that called? What's that called? That's your D and D voice, right? I have a blog. <laughs> I love it so much. I wish you'd do it more on this show. I love it so much. Do you really? I do. I do. You should start a blog for that character. And if you do, you should start it on Squarespace. Have you ever heard of uh, Squarespace? <laughs> Tell me a little about them. Yeah. Um, Squarespace is a really good thing. Squarespace.com slash back to work. Um, Squarespace is a site uh, where you can go and, and, uh, and make a website. It's a meta website. Just type in, type in a couple <laughs> things and you got a website. That's it. Thank you, Squarespace. Those guys are actually very, very cool. It's more than – a lot of people would say, oh, well, I guess I want to do a blog. Do I need Squarespace? There's why, why so much need, more. Why do, I need, why do I need – So much more than that. Dan Benjamin. There's already there's – such, there's such an embarrassment of riches right now, Dan Benjamin. Why, why would I need to go learn more about yet another blog engine? I'll give you three to four reasons why right now. Mm-hmm. The, the first one is when you're looking for – software that is just going to make everything work where you don't have to sweat the details. You don't have to worry about things and it won't take even somebody as smart as Merlin a week to figure out how to move an app bar. Not a week. And what what was it? A week? Hmm? No, I just, I literally started just typing a couple things and I had a website. Well, that's the thing is it's beautiful. And you're, you're in some ways, and I see this constraint as actually a good thing. You're prevented from dorking around with too much behind the scenes. They don't want you. They make it easy for you to just do things the way that you want. So whether you, whether you want right. to do a blog or whether you want to build out a full-fledged, full-on website, which a lot of, to be honest, a lot of blog software doesn't make it that easy to do. They no. make it very easy to do that. And you can pick from their amazing templates. You can design your own. You can do whatever it is 
that 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 you want to do. And I know people that are that are hosting. You know, people say, Dan, well, how did you write? You know, five by five. What is it? It's a Rails app, but that's because I'm a Rails developer. There are plenty of people who are successful. That's like, that's like owning an MG or like an Austin Healey. Yeah. Like you, you buy those cars. You buy Austin Healey's because you like using tools and yeah. you maybe want to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> my friend my friend Chris Coldren had one of those in college and he, we were at a light one day and he goes, you see that motorcycle over there? I was like, yeah, he's got, that's a big, that's got a bigger engine than this car. <laughs> but you buy those because you like tinkering with cars. Yeah. And this is not to say, and again, Dan, this is why I, I, it was problematic for me to sit here with my notebook. Did you have to tell you my notebook? It was problematic for me to sit here and think about what I wanted to say about Squarespace because I'm really of two minds. I totally agree with you. It's it's so super easy to go in and set stuff up, but I would never want to present this as you not having extreme nerd abilities. Oh yeah, right. But 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 you let's don't go need to, them. Your it's point. your choice. It becomes an That's option. Right. They take it. They take that and they make it an optional thing for you. You're not required to spend hours and hours or days geeking out about something unless you choose to. And that's the well, you beauty. Don't, of you it. don't have to. You don't have to pull out your tools every time you want to start the MG. Like this is this is something where it runs. It's extremely stable, and it's actually really really fun to use. Their blog posting interface is really nice. Their iPhone app. I don't I haven't seen anything that comes close in terms of their iPhone app. And it just I don't know. It's like they've really thought through all the stuff that can became can become a pain in the butt for people who want a blog style website with comments, and they've made it a lot easier. What happens though if, if, if you if, plugins? What if you that. write a really great article? And somebody like John Gruber links to your article on Squarespace. Is this a, is it pa- panic mode, right? Panic mode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to just shut things down. You right. got to you got to turn off the side rip. No, no, that's the beauty part. That's the beauty part. They're made out of scale. It's it's got it's got scale out the wazoo. Type a couple buttons and you got scale out the wazoo. <laughs> you don't even need to do anything, and that's a that's a you beautiful part. You don't even need a wazoo. It. They'll give they'll give you a wazoo that's built in. That's that's in the account settings area. You can pick your wazoo. But this is really great. It really really is great. And this is this is the kind of software that I'm really proud that uh, that they're interested in this because I think you know if you're starting out, if you're advanced, if you just want to get your stuff out there, whatever it is, try these guys out. It's it, the one downside though is that they were unwilling to do. Any kind of like special thing yeah. for the list. Have you met these guys, Dan? Have you met them? No, I haven't been to Canada. Yeah, I was very concerned. No, wait, no, hang on a second. Let's start over. Um, they actually do. They have they have they have re-upped uh, with a new code uh, that we can use for a brand new month. Well, five day old month. I don't know when this will go out, but uh, yes, we have a new code. It is it is back to work seven. So back numeral two, work numeral seven. And if you go to squarespace.com slash back to work, you will get, if memory serves, 10% off yep, uh, six 10%, months. Yeah. So that's got longevity. It's got back legs. To, yeah, it's not, not, not too shabby. Okay, one last thing, one last thing. Go ahead. This is, there were, there's two different blog engines. I've, well, this is not a blog engine. It does way more than blog stuff. But in the past, that's what people want to start, right? They want to shake and bake thing. They can put up, make it easy, blah, blah, blah. There were two things in the past that I would tell people to use. Well, today... Without reservation, I tell people to go to Squarespace because this this could be the one you set your notional ant up on, but it could also be the one where you run a whole company website off of it. If you go to their gallery, you can see some amazing examples of the stuff that people are making with this, just with just with pure CSS. And you know, you can do stuff like you can, you can inject code into the header. That's not always a bad thing, you know, the injection. You can stick stuff. So if you've got a Google Analytics code you want to drop in, you can tell it you want it to go here in the header or there, and it's it just goes, and it's it's very scalable, sustainable, and uh, free range. I like that. You just hit a, hit a couple buttons and you got a website. So squarespace.com slash back to work. That has all the, the details, right? That's right. That's right. We're very grateful to them uh, for supporting uh, 5 by 5 and back to work. I don't know, Dan. I can't believe I got Porkins wrong. That's really... A different, whole different guy. 
oh, I feel bad. I got some drawings in here. I got some writing. Um, so, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to fight this out more. I, 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 I think, feel like, I guess, you know, people, the people that write in, they ask things like this. They say, should I, should lot, I quit a my lot, job? A lot, a lot. Should well, I not quit lot, my job? Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Why haven't I quit my job? Why can't I finish this thing? Why can't I start this next thing? I finished this thing, but now I'm supposed to edit it line by line, and I can't do that. Well, what can't uh, you ship, Merlin? Mm, what priorities mm-hmm. do you have that literally mm-hmm. create a unique situation that make you unable to ship? Mm, that's a good question, Dan Benjamin. There's so much I can't ship. I have so many problems, Dan. I got a lot of problems. I got Porkins wrong. That's gonna that's gonna dog me. Mm. I should double check that I got Salacious B Crumb right. I feel like I'm falling apart, Dan. No, Crumb, you got right. Okay, all right. So Wikipedia that. Um, where have I we? Th- what have we done for people this week? Have we done anything? I think we've taught them, or shown them, or pointed them uh, toward the idea of the reframe. He said, saving the episode. Uh, somebody used that phrase with me once, and I thought it was the dumbest, hippiest thing I ever heard in my life. And now I think it's pretty darn smart. Um, and it was presented to me in a, in a really punchable way, as in this woman said, can I give you a reframe of that? And I don't love that word, but I love what it does. And it's, it's a way of saying, um, I don't know, there's, you know, there's the heliocentric view of the world that it took us a long time to get to, which is the, it's not, Earth is not really the center of everything. It's, it's the sun. And you see the entire, the constellations and everything so differently once you decide that, uh, that, you know, that, that the sun is what we revolve around rather than the other way around. And I think a reframe is saying to somebody, well, what if you looked at it from a slightly different angle, right? And so I think both of our kinds of advice can be very good or the myriad subsets of advice that we're offering. They can be good. Thoughts don't hurt, right? So to an extent, I, I argued with my mother-in-law about this. I, don't, I think words don't necessarily hurt. What people do as a result of words can hurt. But words and thoughts are just words and thoughts, for better or for worse, often for worse. It would be nice if we could just write our way into, uh, you know, or think our way into feeling like we're uh, doing well at what we want or that we could articulate well what we would like to be good at. But, you know, it's the acer. It's the making and doing. And sometimes you need a reframe. You need somebody to say to you, well, the reason you might be stuck is because, well, one reason you might be stuck is it might be useful to you to think about this in a slightly different way. So I'll speak for myself and then you should speak for yourself. What I'm trying to say in terms of a reframe is going like, have you made this a gamble? Have you made this an all or nothing proposition? Is it merely a risk? Is there a way you could narrow the scope of this? Is there a way that you could develop a slightly lighter personality about this? If you could feel slightly less dire about everything that you're doing. I know, I know. The more dire you feel, like the more that sounds like bananas talk. But seriously, go a little light on yourself. If you, if you want to keep a job, be happy about wanting to keep that job. And it's hard, but if you want to start an iOS app, start an iOS app. But ask yourself, what's the, how will I know this has been successful? What is the actual goal of this? If the actual goal of this is to, like, is to turn into the Angry Birds guys and have enough to retire on, that's a pretty ambitious goal if you've never done this before. Right? So think about all the moving parts, all the things you would have to give up, but then have a slightly lighter heart about it and, and consider narrowing the scope. Narrowing the scope is not the same thing as failing and giving up. Narrow, narrowing the scope is a way to acknowledge reality and understand that to make something really good, you can't do it all. How about you? You can't do it all. You can't do it all. That's pretty, pretty profound, huh? Now, what's yours? What's your reframe? You describe your reframe. How are you helping people, Dan Benjamin? How are you helping people? Hmm. I would like to point out that, that um, success stories are few and far between and that reality is, uh, is pretty bleak. You will likely fail. You'll likely fail a number of times, uh, as I have. 
and uh, it will be painful and stressful, and uh, you may never want to start again. <laughs> My name is Matt Foley. I am thrice divorced. And there was there was there was a point in time where I was so frustrated and angry after a, a failed business that I didn't even want to use computer. I just hated computers. I couldn't stand using computers. I didn't want to talk about them. I didn't want to use them. I didn't want to be anywhere near a computer. And I like, mm-hmm. like I took a break. And it was only with great hesitation that I was willing to come back. That's how bad I've, it was. I've stopped, and that's I've reality. Stopped. That's reality is that, that you're going to be you're going to be totally if if you try this thing and even if you don't, if you do or if you don't, you'll be miserable for a long time. And many times over. But then you'll realize that it, there's a bigger cycle going on and that that these things are all part of a learning experience and a learning process. And what that means is I'll probably feel that way again at some point. I'm not saying I'll be away from computers, but I'm saying you'll feel that that uh the low point and uh and hopefully you know the the winning part as you say is being able to come back from that uh that's why i think people who say well failure is not an option i think it's more of a, a mentality i think it's a flawed mentality but i think i think understanding that things won't work out the way that you plan they may be worse they may be better uh that's the important thing to take away from it it's almost like planning to fail in a way, but not in a pessimistic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real downer, Dan. But it's, it's, yeah. it's a good downer. Well, it, what it does is it frees people to fail. It frees them up to have... to have. Well, uh, this is why I, I think one of our greatest freeing. responsibilities... One of our greatest responsibilities as adults is to try and do the impossible, which is to help a person make it out of puberty alive and, and almost whole. Right. Because my hand to God, nothing in your life will ever be worse than puberty. And if you think that's not true, then you had a much no, better puberty than I did. It but the true. years from 11 or 12 oh, to it's 18, it's the worst. It's like, and you're set upon on all sides by this broken system. You know, this, they say that, um, it is said, I saw Elsa and I'm Cliff Flavin again, but uh, you know, uh, teenagers, uh, the teenage years are a conceit of really the 20th century. There is no such thing as teenagers until the 20th century. It's why you have things like the, uh, like a, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. It's a very official sort of transition from being a child to being an adult. Like you didn't get a lot of in-between time to shuck and jive and, you know, and listen to your Elvis Presley records in the 1800s. <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley, Edison Records. But you, uh, but you, because you had to go out and freaking work in the field or move into the family business. You had to fix clocks or whatever. You didn't get time to just hang out, right? I, you just were hoping you didn't get your thumb glued to the rest of your hand when you were mixing that hot silver. <laughs> you, man, I'll tell you, you can't. You would not believe how many people can't pick things up today because of silver thumbs. Ugh. That's a ter- is silver thumbs. That's terrible. Or, or, or thresher butt. You don't want thresher butt either. No. Yeah, <laughs> farm injuries are funny. But you, if you make it out of puberty, you are going to have something you can hold in your mind as it could really always be worse. It could always be worse. It could always be that again. If you made it through that, you can make it through anything. And that may be glib, whatever. If it doesn't help you, I'm sorry. But I swear to God, if I think about eighth grade, I'm like, you know what? There's no way. There's no way. I never felt more hopeless in my life. I never felt more uh, powerless. I never felt more worthless than I did in probably eighth grade. And worst of all, kind of give us a segue into the stress thing for a future episode. Yeah. Is it's that sense of inescapability. It's the cognitive dissonance of being so unhappy, but also feeling like there's no way out of it. 
And I think, I don't know if that's going to be much of a boon companion when it's 2 a.m. and you are too tired to hang with your family, too tired to do your job, and too tired to do your iOS app. But, you know, you really can't do it all. And if you need a little bit of encouragement, sure, go out, look for some inspiration. But also just accept that, you know, you're probably not going to die. And it's never going to be worse than like Mrs. Vergadama's business administration class in eighth grade. Man, 10 key was hard. It's hard, Dan. God, look at you. You're so successful now. You got a closet all, all your own. Yeah, I'm, I'm the only one in here too. Oh, you got a, it's a, it's a private closet. It's my own private closet. Did I, did I, did I see that there are actually clothes hanging in there? Did I see that? I saw like a curtain, like a rod in there. Oh Is yeah, full, right? all of our clothes are in here. You're, you're literally, no, no, let's be clear. Let's be clear. You're literally in a closet right now. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, here's the thing, Johnny iOS. Dan Benjamin, successful podcaster. He, he's like, he's, he's, he's in a room with outerwear right now. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. That's true. Well, you power through it. People don't understand, Dan. They don't know what you're going through. <laughs> no, and it's none of their business. Well, they'll find out. Maybe. All right. Okay. Yeah, right. should button this up. Have a good week, Marilyn. You too, Dan Benjamin. I love you. Love you too. 